0: This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that's been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're awesome and an incredible help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe it, it is the best way to get to really know the guest. Today's guest is Mark Winters. Mark's passion is helping entrepreneurs get unstuck so they can pursue their freedom. Depending on the unique situation, Mark's talent for introducing just the right combination of perspective and process sparks teams to start moving, move faster, or begin moving in the proper direction with clarity. As a teacher, coach, and facilitator, Mark spends most of his time directly engaged with entrepreneurial leadership teams as a certified EOS implementer. Helping them implement EOS in their own companies, he's delivered over 500 full-day workshops with companies around the U.S. and he's co-author of the book Rocket Fuel, and I love that name, and I can't wait to talk about that. Okay. But a little bit about his intro into being an entrepreneur: he's been an entrepreneur since the age 28 after catching the bug during B-school at the University of Chicago. And at last count, he started, bought, sold, shut down 11 different companies. Hopefully, he didn't shut them all down and you know, he only had one go. <laughs> but, but one recent venture as a founder and CEO, at, he has had a very successful exit yielding a 100x cash return in less than three years. All of this activity has led to some recognition, including being named a Tech Titan finalist as an emerging company CEO and listed as 40 under 40. By the Boston Business or by the Business Journal in Milwaukee and Dallas, Mark was also awarded Rookie of the Year and Chief Excellent Distinctions by Vistage International. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. It's great to be here. So, I'd love to you know get your take on the stories, how the book Rocket Fuel came up. You've been a bike owner and bike company builder, and uh, I love your Peloton Ventures. So, Thanks. let's jump into all of it. But you know, but more importantly, tell us a little bit about who Mark is. Yeah,
1: so I mean, from the from the bio, you kind of picked up. I started in sort of big corporate, and uh, you know, fortunately, I guess, uh, or unfortunately, maybe depending on who you ask, I caught the entrepreneurial bug, and and that led me down the path of of trying to figure out how this this crazy game of entrepreneurship works and so I've, I've i've had that experience in a lot of different industries so you know everything from like you said you know bicycle manufacturing to super high tech stuff where we're doing predictive algorithms that uh, do all kinds of interesting things to uh, real estate related solutions and and you know just sort of all all over the place and really developed an appreciation for you know i did some of these kind of by the seat of my pants and i've done some of these where i've had a really structured uh, operating system that I used in the business. And in those cases, it seemed to work much better. Uh, you know, not, not only for the business, but for those around me, those kind of, kind of working with me, kind of helped me keep focus. And then I, you know, I made the shift from really being the operator to more of an advisory role. And that's what led to, I spent a lot of time in the peer group world and you know, CEO roundtables tables and, and, and that type of thing. And that led to me helping people implement an operating system in their company. And then that led me to meet Gino Wickman, who is the creator of the entrepreneurial operating system or EOS. And I, you know, sort of fell in love with that system. He and I became fast friends and that uh, shortly after I got involved led to us writing the book rocket fuel together. And that's been where, uh, you know, my primary focus has been for the last, the last few years.
0: That's amazing, and getting that entrepreneurial bug. A lot of people are scared of it, right? Especially at twenty-eight, and but taking action upon it and, and growing eleven companies. Tell us a little bit about that venture. Well, so the, the the beginning of it is is pretty interesting and
1: maybe instructive. I don't know, but it, literally, I was I was sitting in class at University of Chicago, and it was a pricing strategies class, and so it was a one of those deals where we had team projects going on, and so my team wasn't presenting on a particular day, but you know, here comes somebody that has a some widget that they've invented that they can make for this much and they can sell for that much and there's this many people out there that are gonna need this and so here's how much money they were gonna make and then the next group comes up and they've found some unmet service need in the marketplace that you know they think they can serve it for this much and people will buy it for this much and so here's how much they're gonna make and I was like man this just sounds so much more interesting than what I was doing at the time which was basically selling uh, you know diapers and stuff like that for Procter & Gamble. You know, so I was in the grocery business uh, and my future there looked like just selling more and more to bigger and bigger stores. So you know, this entrepreneurial thing sounded really interesting, but I didn't know what I was going to do. Had uh, didn't have my idea, uh, but I, I sort of reached the conclusion that the only way I would ever actually do it was if I I you know sort of burned my boats. And, you know, because uh, the, the p and job I had was a full-time job. And, uh, you know, if I, if I really didn't give it my full focus, I didn't know I would, if I would ever make that entrepreneurial leap. And so I quit. And uh, then afterward told my wife. And so think about that. And, that must have uh, been fun. Uh, that was a very interesting conversation that'll, that'll teach a young, uh, not, not that long married guy how, how, <laughs> how things really work. Uh, and you know, and she was pregnant and so, uh, you even know, better. even better, right? Let's just stack it on there while we can. And so that's, that's how I got started. And fortunately, I guess I'm, I'm proud and very blessed to say she's still with me all these, all these years, uh, afterward. And she, uh, you know, would be sometimes along the way where I'm sure she would say it was a pretty wild ride, but it's been a fun one.
0: Talk to us about making that leap, right. From going from safe, cushy job at Procter and Gamble, to being, Hey, I'm going to go run my own show. Yeah.
1: So it it started off. I I basically got a professor that I was uh, working with at the university to bring me along in his consulting practice. And so I tagged along, I got paid a little bit, not nearly enough to, to, to cover what I needed to, but it gave me an excuse to kind of roam and talk to a lot of people and try to figure out what I, what I did want to do. And the first, business uh that i landed on was a cyber cafe and so this was the early 90s so think about that we were talking about internet service earlier right and so you know think about what that looked like so you know cyber cafes weren't a real widespread thing there there were some in australia there was one in london there was one in boston uh, and there were several in canada but that was about it and so i decided that this was something that was kind of a cool convergence of uh, you know a specialty coffee shop and this was really still in the early days of Starbucks uh, technology which I was interested in and then some sort of a, a social thing that seemed to happen in these places that I went and so I made kind of a drive across Canada and I went in these places and talked to people about what they liked and didn't talked to the owners about what worked and what didn't and then came back and you know made this business plan for the ultimate cyber cafe and then in Milwaukee Wisconsin set this thing up we had T1 internet speed we had 20 different computer stations in there with you know big 20 inch monitors which were you know imagine that there were 20 inches of screen and it was probably 24 inches deep right the high tech uh, monitors high tech right had Pentium 133s in them uh you know it was smoking I mean, it was it was really something uh, pretty pretty cutting edge at the time and people would come in because you know you had dial up at home if you had internet and uh, so they would come in and they could, you know, see what high speed internet did. They could kind of go do this whole wild, uh, wild and crazy technology thing. And they would interact with each other. And so it was it was fascinating to kind of watch that whole deal uh, evolve. And we learned we, we made some interesting discoveries in terms of how you price something like that. We started off pricing by the minute. And, uh, you know, I, I watched people were very self-conscious of how they used it. They would they would get on and do something while they were paying by the mint. They would get off and shut everything down, and then they kind of talk and and be social. And we wanted them to kind of be engaged the whole time. We developed this software where people could do everything from the computer. They could order from the cafe. So I had a basically a, a guy that left Starbucks come in and he helped design this whole coffee bar and all that stuff. So you had all the specialty coffee drinks and desserts and sandwiches and all this. They could they could order right through their computer right the workstation and they could it would build to their account and so it was all really integrated um, but we, we, we looked at a different pricing model. I said you know what's similar to this and the thing I landed on was a health club you, know, you go to a health club and you've got lots of expensive equipment that you may not have at your house you've got other people that are there using it there's people roaming around that can help you if you have questions or whatever or can teach you right and so it felt to me like, you know, this is kind of the same. so how do health clubs price? They do memberships. So let's do memberships. So we did memberships and it turned out that was a very good answer because as soon as we did memberships, all of a sudden the place is packed. People are using continuously. We'd have lines of people three or four deep, uh, you know, during, during busy times, waiting to get on all the, uh, news stations would come down and you know, shoot if their story had anything to do with internet, they wanted to, you know, use our place as the backdrop. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a cool breakthrough there. Wow, that's
0: amazing. So you're like the original like e-commerce guys.
1: Well, it was uh it was pretty pretty early on. It was probably ahead of its time. Uh, but yeah, we were we were out there doing some, some stuff that was uh, that was pretty cutting edge for for that area at that time.
0: So talk to us, you know, a lot of the listeners here, right, are athletes and the whole executive athletes thing. Talk to us about the bike business. Talk, you know, what was that entree like? Talk to us a bit about you know, that whole side of things.
1: Yeah. So, so the bike business, so uh, that's a tough business. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, the, the, famous question is, uh, you know, what's, what's the quickest way you can think of to lose a million bucks. And, and, uh, that's one of the short answers is, is that business, but, uh, you it's know, it was, business, it, the same yeah, thing. yeah. Pick, pick your, pick your, your sports business. Right. Uh, but you know, it was, uh, it was fascinating. I was a, I sort of got drug along into cycling, and uh, I moved to Texas in around 2099, I guess. And uh, one of my buddies was living here, and really great mountain biking trail system, uh, particularly in the area where where I moved to. And so I sort of got thrown into that just as something to do, and learned how to how to mountain bike, and really enjoyed that. We started doing adventure racing, uh, which was was a lot of fun, and you know we we got pretty good at that. And then uh, one of my buddies got he got distracted. I would, I, that's what I would call it. He got distracted by triathlon because, you know, adventure racing, the rules weren't quite as cut and dried. There was a lot of subjectivity and interpretation where, you know, triathlon was just, you know, boom, boom, boom. It was just, uh, you know, very much within the lines. And so he went off and started doing that and really got into uh, road road cycling. And uh, actually I should tell you another story. So have you ever heard of the race, the hotter than hell hundred? Yep. Okay. You're done it?
0: No. I'm a New Englander. I don't live in New England. I do dude, we gotta <laughs> we gotta get you down here
1: for, for that one. So so get this. So so imagine I've been doing a little bit of mountain biking, but I haven't been on a road bike in years. And so one of our friends had done this Hotern Hell hundred, which for those of your listeners that may not know, it's in August in Texas, in Wichita Falls, Texas. It's typically a hundred plus, sometimes a hundred, a lot plus. And it's a hundred mile ride, right? So you can imagine what that's like. So a buddy had done it and we're like, if he can do that, we can do that. Right. Let's, let's do that. And that'll be, that'll be a fun one to kind of check off the list. So neither one of us at the time owned a road bike. So I borrowed one from my next door neighbor. He borrowed one from his uncle. And we're like, you know, we probably ought to do like a practice ride or something before we go do this. So both of us did like two or three 25 or 30 mile rides you know, and just kind of went out and, and, and did it just to, you know, know that we could do it. So then we drive up there the morning of the race and it's about, you know, a couple hours from, from Dallas. <clears throat> so you drive up there and the plan going in, because we'd never done this before, was they had a cutoff at hundred K. So you could make the turn at 100K and come back, or you could do the full 100 mile. And so the deal we made was, you know, we'll, we'll check in there, and if if we feel like it's not going well, we'll just come back at 100K. Not thinking that neither one of us would want to be the one that said, let's cut it short, right? Yeah. So, so we go out and we do this thing, and we come around. We made the whole thing. When we finished, it was 116 degrees and it was so painful and my buddy literally at the end he had to go in the tent and get the iv and and the whole thing at the end of the race and then as it turns out though the worst part of that ride was the car ride home so we had to then go get in that car and drive for two two and and a half hours oh my gosh it was brutal you know now now i've I've ridden that thing probably a dozen (laughs) times and now the plan is you get a hotel room and so you're staying there the night before you're staying there the night after and you know, a lot easier to do it that way. But anyway, that's how I got into cycling. So then we kind of figured out that road riding was actually a, we didn't get hurt as much. Road riding, you know, we'd have some pretty nasty crashes on the on the mountain bike. So road riding was good. And we, this uh, this business, Griffin, uh, you know, it it came up for sale, and we had a lot of friends that were were riding Griffins, and uh, you know, had heard good things about it. And and took a look at. It. Are you familiar with that brand? Do you remember
0: it? Uh, you know, I'm racking my memories back to that day. As you said it, I was. Um, that's when I was the race. My race heydays was back in the late '90s, early 2000s. And I I don't know. You know, it it sounds familiar, but I don't know. I guess yeah, so I can't it, recall. This was a pretty pretty interesting uh, deal. What was what was neat about it, and what was
1: attractive from a business standpoint uh, about it was the material. Was something they called a metal matrix composite. Okay, so so think about you know aluminum and steel over here. Think about carbon fiber over here, and and both of those uh, materials have issues, right? So uh, you know on, on on steel you're 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 going to have uh, you know. Some, some issues with stiffness. On the the, the the carbon fiber, you're going to have some issues with, with how durable it is, right? You've got vibration issues, you've got power transfer issues, you've got all these different kinds of things that make either of those materials not, uh, you know, optimal. And so metal matrix was this really cool thing where it was somewhere in the middle, and it was made by, by taking a powder composite and putting it under extreme pressure and then uh, extruding it into into something that you could make into bike tubes right and it it had extreme stiffness where you had very efficient power transfer but it also had a vibration dampening property so it it was it was a, a smooth ride yeah. and so particularly at long distances it would kind of smooth it out so it was really great so uh, you know that all sounded really, really good. So we got into this thing, and we kind of changed the business model from what they had been doing before, which was selling through bike shops, and brought it all in direct, where we were doing custom builds and kitting it out, custom paint jobs. You know, super high end stuff for you know somebody that either uh, you know was a really, really high performance rider, or somebody who wanted to have the same stuff and and really look like they were a high performance uh, cyclist. And so that's what we were doing. And, you know, it was all going great. And then basically we ran into 08 and, you know, you hit 2008 and you've got a long list of people that want to spend 12,000, $15,000 on a bike. Uh, That list got short and fast <laughs> uh, yeah well no, it was crazy i mean yep. you know you're having conversations one day and then you know literally one day two days later it was a whole different conversation so anyway that's when we decided to 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 move on from that from that particular business but it was a lot of fun it was it was really cool and uh you know it's it always feels like it'll be fun to take a passion uh you know and and you know mix it with your business and and uh, you know, so I had an opportunity to do that a little bit worked with some really cool people. Uh, some of the athletes we worked with were amazing. You know, David Goggins. Yep. Came across him. So he was he was one of our guys. And so I got to spend some time with him, get to know him a little bit. He was awesome. You know, what a great story he has. And uh, so yeah, so that was kind of my experience in
0: the, in the cycling manufacturing world. Wow. That's a, that's, yeah, that's a crazy business. That whole, the bike business, the ski business, the passion business. I, I talked to a lot of people and it's like, you, you, like, I love what you said is the best way to lose a biz, you know, a million dollars is that, or what do they say in the ski business? The best way to become a millionaire is to start as a billionaire, right? Because it's, yeah. you know, you're chasing storms and blowing dollars out when you're making <laughs> snow, right? And yeah. you're just watching dollar signs go, go out a hose. But talk to us about Rocket Fuel. Talk to us about your book. I love that title.
1: Yeah. So Rocket Fuel is a uh, a collaboration between uh, myself and Gino Wickman. And so Gino Wickman, uh, he created this entrepreneurial operating system, EOS. And one of the the dynamics that he sort of had discovered uh, as he was kind of working through putting all that together was something he called the visionary and the integrator as a way to think about the two leaders at the helm of an entrepreneurial business and think about an entrepreneurial business as it's a company that's probably between about 10 and 250 people. And so they're really kind of climbing that growth curve. It's not just them anymore. They've got folks to help them. They're trying to build out kind of a leadership team and, 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 you know, make this thing go to the next level. And so he had experienced that. Uh, and then, you know, as, as, as I got to know him and kind of his work, it, it really, it was something that I had experienced in my professional life as well. And so he's like, you know, what do you think about writing a book on this? And so I'm like, yeah, I think that would be awesome. I think that would be really valuable. And so we we got together and and really kind of put together rocket fuel as a way to put structure around that kind of relationship. And you know, we think about it as there's sort of three phases of the rocket fuel journey that an entrepreneur will go through. One, we call it crystallized. That's just kind of understanding what, what does visionary mean? What does integrator mean? What does this structure even look like and deciding whether or not it's something that can be useful to them. And then if, if, if it can, then how do you get connected? So if I'm a visionary entrepreneur, how do I go find, this uh, integrator counterpart to help me. And then the third phase is to maximize that relationship. So to bring the two together and really, you know, maximize it, and make it as powerful as it can be. And so to understand the terms, the visionary entrepreneur is something that, you know, lots of people know about or at least are somewhat familiar with they've heard of it. Uh, It's the, it's the crazy one that has the entrepreneurial seizure that all of a sudden, you know, they've quit their job and uh, you know, didn't tell their wife and and whatever, and gone and started something. Right. And, and, but then the integrator is the one that actually is much more detail oriented, much more follow through oriented. They're the ones that, that really are good at making stuff happen. And so that was the, that was the thing that we saw is when we get those two types together, you know, uh, companies go to much higher levels and and there's, there's really, it's kind of, kind of magic. So. That's what Rocket Fuel is all about.
0: And how do you help those, you know, companies? One of the things that you guys write about is, you know, sort of freeing the entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So,
1: uh, you know, in my experience, an entrepreneur, you know, they, when they make this leap, they have in mind that they're going to make tons of money, that they're going to have all this extra time, that they're going to be, you know, working only with people that they really like, that they're going to be making a huge difference in the world. Right. And then you fast forward, uh, six months, 12 months, 18 months, whatever it is. And you kind of check in on them and take a look. And what do you find? A lot of times you find they're working their tails off harder than they ever have before. They're frustrated. They're not really making any money, you know, on a time adjusted basis. They're working with people that they don't like because they have to, right? And they don't feel like they're making any kind of difference. So They're they're stuck. And so when I say stuck, that's really what I mean where the, the entrepreneur has jumped and they got stuck in this hole. So, so getting them unstuck, how do you get out of that? How do you put structure around that to bring them back out so that this business can turn into what they actually envision? What they actually intended when they started it right so so that's what the freedom is and you know freedom's a whole other conversation that we could have i have a, a model that i call exponential freedom where it basically lays out the nine domains there's nine different domains of, of freedom and getting really intentional about what each one of those domains means for you what would you really want so like we were talking about you know you're you up in maine and you know one of those domains is is place Right. So 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 you're where where you spend your time, where you spend your time creatively, where you spend your time with your family, where you spend your time, you know, working, being being productive, you know, all of those different things. Uh, you know, some people don't have choices there. So what what would you want that to look like? Right. What would you want your your money situation to look like? What would you want your time situation to look like? Mapping that out and then getting really intentional about how you attack, uh, you know, making that making that real, making that happen.
0: So talk to us a bit about that too. And I think that could go even just go into regular day-to-day careers as well, right? Not just entrepreneurial, but people that sort of like myself being a recruiter or a real estate agent or, or, or salesperson. But I think nowadays too, and there's a shift sort of in the career model that people now are sort of their own brand and bringing yeah. that entrepreneurial and someone I interviewed for another podcast I run, it, he called it intrapreneurial, right? Where you're sort of a... Entrepreneur within an organization. Talk to us about how people can, you know, implement what you're doing with organizations they're currently part of.
1: Yeah. So, well, the the you know the, the rocket fuel thing. Are you talking about that? Or are you talking about the exponential freedom? Uh,
0: just in in general, either or.
1: So, so rocket fuel is really it's pretty specific to you know the 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 entrepreneurial organization. Okay. So, it, I mean, it has applications. So, I think you're always going to have idea people and. Executor people, you know, they 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 take different forms, and so you know, if if you if you need help, if you're not great at following through on things, I think you always want to be on a team where you've got somebody else who's good at that thing, or if you're not good at ideation and coming up with lots of new stuff, and you need somebody there. So it's all about making sure whatever team you're on, having the right mix of capabilities, right? On the uh, on the exponential freedom side, you know, it's it's really you kind of think of it in levels. So at the base level. You know, it's sort of the stuff that we all start start with. I, I think about it kind of foundational. But you, know, you think, you know, your body, right? So your your audience of executive athletes, it's it's taking care of that. Uh, it's your mind, uh, you know, and being sure that you are cognitively sharp and clear and and focused on the right things. It's your spirit, you know, whatever whatever that means to you. But but your your energy and and your faith, and and being really strong intentionally on on that level of of your freedom and you know, what. What do you want that to look like? What do you want that to look like, you know, this year? What do you want that to look like 20 years from now? And so that you got to make that foundation strong. And so we talk about being in, staying in warrior shape and, and, and those kinds of things, you know, create the opportunities for you to do, you know, things above and beyond. So you got to take care of that foundation layer first. And then on top of that is what I call the, the multiplier level. And, you know, on the multiplier level, that's where place comes into effect, you know, where you spend your time relationships come into play, who you spend your time with uh, at time itself is is one of those. And then the, the money, the finances. So being intentional about how you use each of those things, because each of those things can be a multiplier, or they can also be a source of friction that slows you down, right? I mean, if you don't have the money thing right, that can slow you way down. Or if you get in trouble there, same thing with your time. You know, if you're, if you're you know squandering your time uh, and not doing, doing the things that are intentional with it, that are going to move you in the direction you want to go, that's going to slow you down. So these all have kind of a positive and a negative spin to them. So we get all those things spinning in the right direction, and it plays up through sort of a set of capabilities, and then ultimately applies through the top two things, which are your, your vocation, so your career, your, your entrepreneurial business, whichever it may be, or your avocation. So your your hobbies, your your other things that you do, not for money, but because, you know, you just really enjoy them and they're aligned with your purpose, whatever that is. So we get that foundation strong, we get those multipliers really focused, we bring all that stuff to bear on both our professional vocation and our avocation all in alignment with our purpose. So that's the model.
0: No, and that and that makes the most sense. And, and I love that too. And then what you're saying, the warrior shape piece too, it's a lot of people forget about the body piece of all of this. If your body's not not running well, nothing else is going to run well. 100%. Or it's the first thing to get neglected.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, and and you know, in the entrepreneurial space, we see that you know way too often where people just neglect that they let that go, and and it hurts them. You know that that you know ten hours they spent. Uh, you know they they probably could have done it in two hours if they'd spent you know two of those other hours you know working on themselves
0: and and just you know making sure that they're they're strong and sharp and thinking clearly no and that's a big piece right it's sort of sharpening the saw that a lot of people forget about especially sort of in this pandemic right now everyone's like you know trying to figure out which way to go and I think there's a lot of people running in circles. Believe me, I was running in circles until, you know, in, in chatting with you, but sort of you get to sit down and map it out and how you're gonna go and where you're gonna go and it gives you a renewed sense of freedom. It really does and you know, there's there's a, you know, just sort of a, a
1: mantra that I've had for for a long, long time, which is if, if if you don't know what to do, if you're not sure, go work out. It's never the wrong answer, right? Right, you know, just go work out. and And you know, it doesn't even have to be a perfect workout it's just something, you know, just get out there and and, and do something. You, you won't be wrong. And then you'll probably come back after that with more clarity on, all right, here, here really is the next thing I need to do.
0: Oh, it's so crazy. I, I, I carried my phone a lot of time. I, I don't want to run because I hate to think bouncing around, but on, in my bike or if I'm backcountry skiing or doing something like that. And I always use my voice recorder because that's when everything comes to you. And if you I don't see. have that, I always forget by the time I get back I have these great life change these great world changing advice but then by then I then I forgot what I actually said so that's uh, I use that or if it's you know out for a run I take the first three letters of the ideas I come down with you know BDG or whatever it is because I can't remember the whole thing but I'll remember BDG and then it'll spur me as I get back so I think you know the the running piece the exercise piece all of that just spurs different thoughts because you're no longer just thinking about what you were thinking about and it allows you sort of, you know, to shift and get in the zone or, and go in, or just go to a different place.
1: Yeah. hundred percent agree. I'll, I'll leave notes with Siri. Uh, I've called myself and left voicemails. I've, you know, stopped and, you know, tried to type something into my notes. I, yeah. All, all those things, but it's amazing how it starts coming to you in a flood. Right. Yep. And, and you don't want to lose it. And it's like a dream that you just woke up that, you know, if you don't write it down, I won't remember it.
0: And what do they say? It's, you know, thoughts are things. And if you don't take action on those thoughts, they'll just go to the next person. It's everyone who says, Oh, I saw, I had that idea and they never did. They never took action. So it went to someone else and yeah. the other one who made $10 million on flex Seal or whatever it is. Right. You know, the major yeah. TV stuff. And the, it's like, the, you know, the, I should have thought of that.
1: The XCX. Ex- ex- yeah. The, the ideas are not the scarce commodity. No, yeah, you know, the ideas exactly. really are a dime a dozen. I mean, it's, it's execution. Who's going to do it.
0: So Mark, this has been awesome. Well, we're coming up on a half an hour very quickly go forever and ever. I love entrepreneurship. I love sort of the talking the cycling thing and, and being in shape, but Mark, where can people find out more about you? Where can they find more about your book? How can they reach out to you if they want to connect?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. So Mark C Winners is the handle pretty much everywhere. So markcwinners.com on the socials at Mark C Winners uh, will take you to pretty much everything I do. If you're interested in the rocket fuel stuff, rocketfuelnow.com, will get you there. And a new program we've just launched called Rocket Fuel University, which is kind of the, it's the gateway to all things, rocket
0: fuel, all things, visionary and integrator. So yeah, that's the best way to get ahold of me. Awesome, Mark. This was great. It was an honor to have you on. I love what you're doing, combining business, sport, and everything else, sort of our world. So thanks for thanks for being here and sharing your insight. Thanks so much, Ken. I appreciate you having me on. And if anyone has any questions, comments, concerns, wants to reach out to me, uh, reach out to me, long day. Um, email me at <laughs> com. Go out there, keep crushing it. Make sure you're making changes and moving forward. Hopefully we'll be out of this pandemic soon um or when who knows what's going to happen but like mark said and just keep moving forward so thanks for listening subscribe to the podcast and i really appreciate it thanks guys